When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Battle Red Radio. This is Corey DLG, and with me as usual is little brother Nico, my producer uh, extraordinaire. That's me. That is you. All right, so this is the first official Battle Red Radio podcast for this year's offseason, for the 2023 offseason. Uh, and we start off with big news. Sunday night around 10 p.m., they did, go, they did in fact... Much to my surprise, and I believe yours, uh, they fired the head coach, Lovey Smith. Yeah, this is kind of the biggest news of the day, right? <laughs> yeah, it's definitely the leadoff for sure. I think just hand-in-hand hand with the reality that winning the Colts game means that they lost the number one pick. Um, let's start with the Lovey Smith thing. We'll talk about the number one pick thing also. Uh, how do you feel about the termination of Lovey Smith. Uh, honestly, I'm pretty saddened by it. I think that he really got the short end of the stick here. Um, because I feel like, you know, we talked about earlier how the a lot of these games could have gone either way. And I think outside of not having the offensive prowess to, you know, cinch a lot of these games, we played competitive football despite everything. <laughs> Like, despite what our record shows, if you actually look at the games, a lot of these that should have been blowouts weren't. And there was really only, like, two or three games that you could be like, all right, this was actually bad. Yeah, and every team's going to have a couple bad games. So I, I think you're I think you're kind of circling the same avenue I am maybe a little bit, which is, like, they're clearly placing the blame at Lovey Smith's footsteps, right? They're saying this season was bad. And Lovey Smith obviously isn't the guy who's going to change this franchise for the better. Is 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 it's got to at least be the presentation of this. Um, I have an issue with that because going into this off season, their goal is going to be basically okay. We need to change the quarterbacks, and Lovey Smith didn't pick the quarterbacks. Uh, we need to change the wide receivers, and Lovey Smith didn't pick the wide receivers. Uh, we're going to change most of the running backs. We're going to keep Damian Pierce, obviously. And Lovey Smith didn't pick the, the running backs. And we're going to change most of the defense. And while Lovey Smith has was the defensive coordinator and then the head coach this year, it wasn't like he got to pick all the groceries. And there were a lot of rookies playing this year who needed the time to develop and such. So it's... They're going to change this whole roster, and they know they need to change most of this roster. So if they know they need to change the roster, how can they possibly sit there and say that this is Lovey Smith's fault? Right, especially because you can, again, we, we I talked about it at least every season. I would say, you know, our defense is literally getting better as the season is progressing. We're watching it unfold and get better as time moves on. And yeah, now we, I, we I doubt improving. that that consistency that. is going to be there. Well, and that's, okay, so this means in our for the fourth year in a row, we will have a new head coach at the Houston Texans. That's not the kind of consistency you want. You want you want to have the same staff year to year, not a new staff every year. This is very 
the same direction as the Browns and a lot of other teams. So the last football team to have four years in a row with a new head coach every single year, it was the San Francisco 49ers earlier this decade. After they got rid of Harbaugh, they went through a period where they just kept hiring and firing coaches, hiring and firing coaches, before they ended with Kyle Shanahan. There was this window where they went through two other guys who each just had one-year runs. So it, this isn't this doesn't bode well for the for for us as well. I don't know. I mean, I guess if you're going to say we're going to be the 49ers, then this is the greatest position to be in ever. But there, there's a lot of difference between us and the 49ers. They don't they had that foundational success of being known as the San Francisco 49ers. We aren't that team. Also, Harbaugh was only a year or two removed from a Super Bowl appearance when he lost the job. We're nowhere near that. I, I I'm concerned first of all there's a couple different things the national picture has turned sour on us hard we are getting killed for essentially what the black community is is framing as using black coaches to tank and it is a bad look david Colley and lovey smith were both african-americans and we hire them and we don't give them any kind of opportunity to move the franchise in any direction um this is sort of a symptom of the league as well, though. They pointed out in league meeting meetings a couple months ago that the NFL has spent $800 million in salary over the last four years to fired executives and coaches uh, because those contracts are guaranteed in the NFL. So you sign a general manager and you give them $3 million a year for four years, then you fire him in year two. He still gets the remaining six million. Done. He doesn't even have to. He have to file a grievance or write a letter, call a governor. He he gets six million dollars. Um, so we're now paying two different head coaches their contracts. So I, I I don't know. I don't understand the logic of firing Lovey Smith. Um. In the chats, everyone was, oh, well, we're losing, so let's fire the head coach. But the reality was, the, the team's bad. The roster was terrible, and we were competitive, and I think that that was a testament to Lovey Smith. And I and we're going into this offseason hoping that we re, that we address 60 to 80% of the roster. So how can we possibly... Like, what were the expectations in our mind for Lovey Smith, and how did he fail them? Right, because it's either because it's one thing to fire it. Like the Broncos had a reasonable had a reason to fire their head coach. Couldn't get the game on time. Yeah, absolutely. The- like things just weren't happening. You could. It's the biggest, clearest example of a clearly someone who isn't prepared to head coach. Well, and more importantly, they their franchise was in a different place than ours. They they were giving a quarterback two hundred fifty million dollars because they expected him to win. Their defense was championship esque, uh, yeah, so they were feeling this... like they were a team that was supposed to make the playoffs and compete for a Super Bowl. And you're right; he couldn't even get plays called on time. Right. So, yeah, I agree. The Broncos were a totally different boat. Uh, the car, the the Carolina Panthers, are an interesting situation because they were in the middle of a rebuild and they still didn't even have the quarterback question settled. And that was probably what got Matt Rule fired. Is the idea that they still, after three years, still didn't have any kind of consistency at quarterback. They were now they had brought in Darnold and Baker Mayfield, and they had the rookie, and the rookie was miles away from ever being ready to start. 
and they just were they were nothing but struggling. And so I do believe, yeah. And then the Colts were supposed to be a playoff team, and this year they just came out so flat and so awful that Frank Reich gets fired, justifiably so, because this was a team that the last year had made the playoffs, and the year before that was the year before that had made the playoffs, and last year was a game away from making the playoffs and lost to Jacksonville. So this is a the other firings kind of fit well the, the midseason firings, the Arizona Cardinals firing Lane Kiffin. I don't know a hundred percent that I agree with it. Uh, we did. I did predict it would happen, though. Yep, it's a good time to be alive. <laughs> I did. I did say um, last week when we were when we were playing the Coach Carousel game, he was one of my three coaches to probably get fired, Lane Kiffin. Um. I think I I think I might have caveated it in saying he might quit or step down, but he won't be back next year is my expectation. And sure enough, he got fired. And the GM now is just not going to come back. Originally, he was stepping away for health reasons and was going to come back. Now he's just he's just done. Um, I don't know that I the Lane Kiffin one feels unfair because Kyler Murray missed a ton of time with injury this year, and Colt McCoy just couldn't. I mean, he's the backup. He's a third. He's a thirteen-year veteran. He's not supposed to be leading teams to victories at this yeah. point in his career. He's supposed to be and back in the old needed. west, like his name says. Yeah, exactly. yeah, it really does. <laughs> um, so yeah, I just that one. I feel like it was maybe a little closer to unfair, but their season was just so bad. It was so bad, and they got humiliated. Um, in San Francisco on Monday Night Football in Mexico City against San Francisco in Mexico City that night a month and a half ago. That was probably where the owner said, okay, when this season's over, I'm going to fire Lane Kiffin. Because that was a terrible game. That was a, that was a brutal game. It was impossible to watch. There were no redeeming qualities to Arizona. And it was the game that made San Francisco look like a championship team. So, I, but circling back to where we started with this, I don't know what the expectations could have been for Lovey Smith. Arizona felt like they were a playoff team. Carolina felt like they were in the middle of a rebuild, but they should start to have questions answered. Denver thought they were a playoff team. The Colts thought they were a playoff team. So when they're not winning, I understand their position. Uh, when Carolina doesn't still doesn't know who their quarterback is and they have three different guys and none of them are the answer, then I, then I understand that. But here in, in Houston... Last last year we won four games, and two of those wins came. Two, yeah, two of those wins came in the last three weeks of the season, and so we were in almost the exact same boat as last year. I don't like how is that Lovey Smith's fault? You know the roster did it. The roster got worse, not better. The team is one of the worst rosters in the NFL. Um. I'll give you an interesting stat. This is how up down the team is. Jalen Petre missed 33 tackles this year. It is the most by a safety in the NFL by like double digits. What? However, he still had 150 tackles as a safety, which is a crazy, it's about 20 higher than any other safety in the NFL. So potentially, 
he would have had 180 tackles this season if he'd have been a great tackler. And he still was one of the busiest safeties in the NFL with 150 tackles. Insane. So he led among, he led safeties with missed tackles, led safeties with made tackles, and if he'd have converted those misses to makes, he would have been like probably record setting for for tight uh, for safety in the NFL. And like it that's how that's how up down hard to gauge our season really was. Yeah, so like we have we have we have clearly we have talent in there. They're just young. They're inexperienced. They're they're figuring things out. And Lovey Smith is the right guy for them to be around, or would have been, should have been, because he's a defensive minded coach. And clearly, we were having more success in getting good defensive players between Stingley, Petre, and Christian Harris. We we were putting the right kind of guys out there to learn and play football. But that's not what we were getting. As a result, and I, I don't know, man. Really, like, really, their performance is something that we should be like measuring the Nexus head coach metrics on, because like if they don't vastly improve, or not vastly improve, but they if they don't see like significant improvement, then we can like surefire be like, all right, well, this is we lost Lovey Smith. This means that these guys didn't have what they needed. Yeah, I, I mean, so here's the other problem. Uh, D'Amico Ryans is like the number one coach on everybody's wish list. An article came out like two weeks ago that says the writer who wrote it speculated that he doesn't believe D'Amico Ryans will even take an interview with the Houston Texans. A bit of history, D'Amico Ryans played for the Houston Texans, suffered an Achilles injury, had to go to arbitration and settle with the Texans for for his injury money, because the Texans didn't want to pay him because there was dispute. So there's bad blood between the Texans and D'Amico Ryans, between the Texan between D'Amico Ryans and the, and the McNair family. There's there's just bad blood. And on top of all of that, last year he was up for the Minnesota Vikings job. He didn't even interview for it because he had no interest in taking it. So to me, if he's going to be selective about where he goes, that means he's not interviewing here with us. Well, yeah, obviously. <laughs> That could have died. Anyone could have told you that. <laughs> well, I mean, some coaches, like we were talking about it amongst my, in my friends group. And, and the reality is there's only 32 head coaching jobs. So there's only so much pride you can bring into this. If you really, really want to be a head coach, you, there are, there, there's certain realities you just have to accept. Someone coaches the Browns and the Cardinals every year, no matter how you slice it. Right. So, yeah, but I mean, but they're not getting the guys they want. They're getting the guys who want to head coach no matter what. Right. That's uh, the difference. That is the difference. And with the way we handled from Collie to Lovey Smith to Lovey Smith to now, I, I'm starting to suspect we're not going to get our wish list. We're not going to get these. And by the way, our whole wish list is nothing but these young coordinator types that's the new trend in the NFL is hiring these young coordinators to come in and do all this. And that's all well and good if the track record just wasn't so bad for young coordinators becoming head coaches. Um, that was what the Broncos tried. That was what the Panthers tried. Uh, I don't know that this is a, a great move necessarily, and I'm not it's sure. The, it's the classic, it worked once before, so it's got to work again. 
And that's exactly what the NFL does. It worked for the Rams and for Sean McVay. Sean McVay replaced Jeff Fisher with the Rams, and immediately the team went from seven and seven and uh, seven and nine, eight and eight ish to playoff team every year. Sean McVay is the guy who elevated them to that next step, and everyone said, "Oh well, we got to go get ourselves a young coach." But here we are, you know, a couple years removed. Sean McVay is thirty six. He won the Super Bowl last year, and he's talking about taking a break because he wants to know what to do next in his career. It's because he peaked so early. Here's a guy who's going to coach for another 20 years and may never get back to the thing that every coach wants because he got it so early, a Super Bowl. Um, and who he might come back to the Rams and, and coach them back, and who know, you know who knows what. But the truth of the matter is, the young thing, so immediately after Sean McVay goes to the Rams, every other team is trying to hire these young coordinators, and that lends a lot to that $800 million that I'm talking about that teams paid out in unemployed, fired staff, where the coordinators, they don't get paid if they get fired. If they get fired, it is what it is. But the coaches have these locked-in, guaranteed contracts that there's no moving around on. And so, yeah, you you, you give me a four-year, five-year deal, you fire me two years in, I, I, I go to the bank. No problem. Um, that's, that's really the move. So all you're telling me <laughs> is that I just got to get into a coordinator position convince someone in the NFL to give me a five-year contract and then fire me after the first year because they hate me. Yeah, but you're behind the eight ball, Nico. They're getting younger and younger and younger. You got to get in there now, buddy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you got to coach, I gotta coach in the NFL by 29 or else I'm done. If you're not, if you're not OC and if you're not a quarterback coach by 29, you're probably not going to be head coach by 33. Oh, uh, but here's the thing. I, these young guys don't have any any sort of track record of head coaching. It feels like the Dave Colley thing. It feels like the I don't I don't know. I'm not I don't want and also some of these guys okay. Uh one of the guys on the list, Johnson, is the offensive coordinator for the Detroit Lions. The Detroit Lions won seven games this year. Their their highlight of their season is keeping the Packers out of the playoffs. Um by winning Sunday night football in Green Bay, which they did at the end of the game. Like, wait, why is he on the? Why is he on our short list? Why is he in the top four names of guys we want? I, he won seven games, so like, let's go get him hey, because we won two that's, in a tie. That's twice as many as Lovey Smith. <laughs> yeah, by that logic, I mean, I, I, I guess so. I just, I don't. That means he's twice as good, right? What it means is we want we want these young guys who who are we want to follow we want to follow the, the trends we want to because we're because right. the NFL is apparently just middle school so if one kid does something you're like well I got to do that now well one of the famous expressions about the NFL there's two one of them is the NFL is a copycat league and one of them is wait till they get enough tape on the guy it's not what it's not what a quarterback does the first four games it's what does he do between games 9 through 12, when teams have watched him for a while, they know his tendencies, and they know how he reacts when they change things because they got to see eight games worth of tape now. Right? So it goes, the first four games, he'll surprise every team. He could do whatever he wants. The second four games, teams now know what he wants to do. They defend that. Now it's what does he do when he can't do his favorite thing. Well, then the third cycle, that, that 9 to 12 cycle, is how does he react now that teams know his tendencies and his reactions, and this is where quarterbacks start to elevate their play, right? Some guys, it takes a year two to get that next gear of quarterbacking, and that's what every team does. Every team, every team studies and learns, but yeah, it's a copycat league, 
It worked for the Rams with Sean McVay. And what reinforces it is that they won the Super Bowl last year, right? So four years of really competitive play. They were in a Super Bowl a couple years ago. Now all of a sudden they're in a position to to be to win one. They win it. So one Super Bowl appearance and one win in four years or five years, whatever it was, yeah, every team is going to hire their own little Sean McVay now. However, the real problem is that this doesn't actually get you not everyone. Not everyone is Sean McVay or the Rams. Right. Lightning does, in fact, not strike twice. And the other part of it is, is the Rams were efficient gamblers with the roster, with the salary cap, with the draft picks, all those things. They consistently went and said... Okay, if we're one piece away, let's go get one piece. Let's not try and wait and develop it and draft it and blah, blah, blah. Okay, we need a corner. Let's go trade for one of the best corners in the NFL. Okay. Oh, we need a defensive tackle. Let's go trade for one of the best in the NFL. And their teams have been loaded with talent. They've been massaging the cap. Uh, and they've been partially able to do that because they've been trading the draft picks to keep the roster talented and together. So not every team's going to do that. And the teams that do it, not every team is going to do it well. For every L.A. Rams, there's a New York Knicks who keep trading away draft picks, and then they look up and they have no draft picks and terrible rosters. So there's there's these – it is entirely possible that another team trying to do the same thing would just ruin their franchise. As a matter of fact, that's what I expect will happen. If we – and then – so then the selling point becomes for the Texans, well, we have salary cap room. And we have draft picks, so we need to hire a good coach who, who is excited about those things. But here's the truth. The coach doesn't make those those picks. The GM does. The coach doesn't make those signings. The GM does. Now, he'll have input, and he'll be, he'll be a voice in the room, but ultimately, he's not picking the groceries. The general manager has to be convinced on every one of those moves. And this is a general manager who's already in place and already has the power, so when he's sitting there telling you, hey, we've got draft picks and salary cap room. What he's saying is, I'm going to make a bunch of moves. Hopefully, you get excited about them. That doesn't... That's not a... Some of these coaches don't want to come to a team for that. They want to come to a team because they want control. They want opportunity. You're almost better off maybe coming to a team with less salary cap move and maybe fewer draft picks because then as the coach, you could say the general manager didn't do enough. Um, So I'm not sure that we're this great destination job that everyone... Plus, we fired two head coaches after one year. Yeah, we're doing the uh, classic bad franchise move of keep we, changing We certainly it. don't look smart. Yeah, I will say that. We don't look like the franchise who who knows what they're doing. We don't look like we have a great plan. Um, And so I, I am curious how it is that we're going to convince people that we are the franchise... That everyone should be wanting to join. I don't know that we. I don't know, man. It's because when so they fired awesome. Lovey Smith, look at our great record. Right, and winning the game hurt us too. By the way, so at the end of the game, that there's a fourth and twenty that we go for that we win the game on. It's we're fourth and twenty. We're about thirty eight yards out from the end zone, and Davis Mills completes a, a an amazing hail mary pass. That goes just inches over the corner of the Colts' uh, cornerback's fingertips into the uh, hands of the tight end. We go for two. We convert it. We win. Um, the fourth and twenty that we converted, it was the first 
fourth and twenty converted all season in the NFL by every single by any team. Yeah, baby. That's it. Davis Mills is the guy. I knew it. I knew it all along. He, he here's what's so darn annoying. He played the best game of his season the Sunday Sunday afternoon against the Colts. It's because it didn't matter anymore. This is you know, it's like that weird situation where like the game doesn't matter to you, so you all the stress just leaves your body and you're just the awesome. the pressure's off. Yeah. Yeah, honestly, I no, I totally buy that. I think I think the conversation has already happened in his head. I don't know his situation. Maybe he's got a wife, maybe he's got an agent, whatever he's got. I don't know. Maybe they've already sat down and talked it out to him and his team and they're like, Well, maybe you'll get lucky and you'll get off this terrible team. Or maybe he has said, yeah, I, I haven't played well. It's over. Or maybe the team has said, we're moving on from you after the season. Let's just go out there and finish strong. I mean, there's no telling what the situation is. Internally, I've not heard anything at all internally about what the conversations were. But somewhere he has to know the journey with the Texans is over. And, yeah, maybe that liberated him so that he could go out there and, and play this amazing football. Now, on some level, he has to know it's over the second him and Jeremy Driscoll are splitting 30 snaps each in an actual NFL game. Uh, so, uh, on some measure, maybe he's known for a minute that it's over. But with the last game of the season, maybe he was just excited to be done with it. Maybe he's one of those guys where just the pressure of being an NFL quarterback has ruined his career. I mean, I don't know. It's tough to say. Either way, I mean, way to go playing an awesome game when it didn't matter. <laughs> Yeah, and that is exactly what it did. He it, it it didn't matter anymore, and he went out and he he looked the best he has looked all season. Uh, let's not confuse that though. He is one of the first things to be changed on this roster. Absolutely. However, winning the game cost us the first pick, gives it to Chicago, who in fact has a quarterback. There are. Two different teams with draft capital who are likely to want a quarterback, though. Uh, Seattle has two picks. They have Denver's first rounder, which is, I think, in the top five, and their own, which I think is in the top 20. And then Detroit, I believe, has two picks. One, the LA's Rams pick, which is also, I believe, in the top five. And then their own, which is, I think, also like top 16 or so. So there are two different teams who, just in this draft, could swap their two number ones to Chicago, plus other stuff, uh, to get into that draft, that number one spot, and potentially take a quarterback ahead of us. This is why you didn't want to lose the pick. Yeah. This also uh, might this be is, the reason they fired Lovey Smith. That might be. It might Honestly... He had a long and passionate conversation with ownership the day before the game. Perhaps the conversation was, well, listen, let's just go through and deliver on Sunday and then we'll go from there. And they meant two totally different things. Maybe ownership meant lose it and he heard win it. Maybe ownership meant win it if you can. I don't know. I mean, maybe they don't care about one or two. It does matter, though, because we need need a good quarterback out of this draft or... You know, we make a bunch of trades and move a bunch and get a bunch of extra picks, and we need a bunch of good players out of this draft. One of the two. Both of those get harder, though, to do 
when you're not number one overall. When you're number one overall, you're in the driver's seat so you can create the trade that best benefits you. When you're number two overall, you're going to have to do it on the fly day of draft or after Chicago makes whatever move it makes. So like if Chicago announces a trade two weeks from now or, or a month from now, then you're back in control. But until Chicago does something, the Texans are in a react mode. And we're going to cover this all offseason. Conversation about the pick. There's a lot of things happening. Uh, I think I, I've been withholding judgment, and I will continue to withhold judgment until the combine in March. But I think I like C.J. Stroud of Ohio State if we were picking a quarterback this instant. He hasn't even declared for the draft yet. So there's a lot that's happening there's a lot of moving parts. There's a lot of things still going on on that side of it. That's kind of the Nick Casario side. And you and you have to trust his judgment, which gets a little bit harder post-Lovey Smith. Yeah, this is a really it's a really sad kind of scenario to be in because I was really honestly looking forward to seeing what this, this head coach and what this team could do. And now uh, it's all in the air again because, honestly, it's going to be tough to be like, all right, guys, we're going to absolutely nail this this head coach pick and all our draft picks and have a good season. Yeah, it kind of makes it right. Like, I like how you said that. Okay, so every year you're not going to get every decision right, right? Like in every offseason you're going to make, let's say you make 40 choices and you're going to, get them, you're going to be judged on how many you get right, right? So if you get... Out of the 40, if you get 30 to 35 right, you you know what you're doing pretty much. You can, you don't have to get it. Like, you're going to have a couple things go wrong. It's not the end of the world. But if you got to make 40 choices and you get 20 of them right and 20 of them wrong, well, that's you're starting to creep into the incompetent territory. And every time you add more choices to the list of things that have to get decided, Every time you add more opportunities to get it wrong to the mix, you make it harder and harder to have the right end result you're looking for. So two things just got added on this last week. Now we have to hire another head coach. Well, a bunch of things, actually, because the head coach also has to bring in a whole new staff. So there's that. And also, the... You know, we go from one to two. So we go from being able to do whatever we want in the draft to now having to react post-Chicago. Which means we're going to make another decision, but we're going to make it on the clock and on the fly. And that is complicated. It's a different set of circumstances. So that does concern me because it we've just added a lot more variables to the equation in order to get the right result at the end you know what i mean right actually we added a lot a lot more variables because now we have a new staff new coach and we got whatever picks happen and then we've got to we got to see how they how those how that staff coaches those picks right like there's a lot and then we got all the roster stuff like it's so the track that we had that we were moving on again and the worst part about this is that this could have easily been like a six-win season for us. Yeah, for sure. Like had uh, had certain things gone certain ways, like we could have beaten the Colts week one. We could have won against any of the teams where the games were literally within like three points of each other. Like there's tons both of the, times 
Both to Denver and Chicago. We could have been 3-0 coming into week four. Right. So, you know, looking at the whole, the season as a whole, it's really frustrating because we didn't want to be like a seven-win franchise because we wanted the draft picks because we have such good picks anyways. And now... Right, because we have the Browns pick, we have our own. Yeah, you're right. We've just made it all harder and we've put ourselves in, in a different situation than we should have been. And we don't even have the good draft picks anymore. <laughs> like, we didn't lose... Right. We didn't even lose so bad that, like, we kept the thing. <laughs> well, that was... So, on Reddit, one of the comments I saw that I immediately kind of... It kind of hurt because of how true it was, was, like, winning that game was for nothing after they... So, they fire Lovey Smith, right? And one of the first comments is, that means we won for nothing. Because winning the game, getting the two-pick, and then firing the head coach, it was, like, double punishment. Right? Yeah. It's just, it completely shatters any kind of cohesion we have. And it also kind of shows our mindset, right? Like, he, he won this game. This It was, a it was in a vacuum, it was an exciting and good football game. 32-31, one of the best games of the season. The quarterback played out of his mind, far above the level that we thought he was at mentally. The, there was a, just a lot of positive notes, and that's with some of our best young players on IR, like it was an interesting and good game to be in and, and winning it at the last second, like we did should have been an uplifting end to the season. And instead it was like, we win it, we fire Lovey Smith and we also don't have the number one pick anymore. So it really did feel a bit like a, like a super gut punch. <laughs> now I, 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 part of me wonders when he left the conversation with the McNair family and the team executives last night, what was in Lovey Smith's head and his heart? Did he know that he was done? And if he did know he was done, was that where he was like, all right, well, F it. If I'm done, I'm going out on a win because Lovey Smith is Lovey Smith. Or did he think in his heart, let me show them what I can do and earn my job for next year? And as he's winning that game, was ownership of the executives, were they like, if he wins this game, I'm firing him. If he really thinks that winning this game is going to help his case, he is wrong. In which case, it makes it really complicated to know what his job here was. Right. You either want him to win or you don't. Like, simple as. And now that we don't I, have that, that solid direction to move in, it makes it so much harder. <laughs> it really does. He, he hurt us... In my mind, I can almost ju- I can almost justify firing him because he won the game. Like he did, but you weren't supposed you to. You have do that. to let cooler, yeah. But you have to let cooler heads prevail because what we've done now is just created even more choices for ourselves. More opportunities. And none of them are like I think they're all complicated. They're all difficult decisions to get right. Our recent track record suggests we're not going to get them right. Um. So I am I am concerned about how all this looks. What the outcome is going to be. More than how it looks, what the outcome is going to be. Yeah, who cares how it looks? If we can even get there is the question. <laughs> yeah, and I, don't, and I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I just don't. Um, it's, it's a complicated look, but this is exciting for us because this gives us the opportunity this offseason to have a lot of candid conversations. We're going to bring in some great people to talk to and give us listeners some hope and some opportunity. And who knows, maybe it's all going to work out. Maybe 
Maybe opening day, D'Amico Ryans is coaching one of the best, freshest, newest, youngest defenses in the NFL with a great young quarterback under center, with a team ready to go. But there's just as much possibility that we wind up with a guy that none of us knew, or it's Josh McCowan who has zero experience as a coordinator. That's the thing. So there's a lot of articles talking about the Lovey Smith hiring, how potentially it was motivated by race because of the lawsuit from Coach Flores down in Miami, and he named the Texans as one of the teams specifically in his lawsuit that were that were having racial based practices, which is which is a bad thing. That's not good. Uh, and if that's the case, that Lovey Smith was hired as a reaction to that, the end result of it is an uncomfortable look. But it also kind of saves us from having to go through the experience of having Josh McCowan as our head coach. Considering Josh McCowan has zero offensive or defensive coordinator experiences, and I don't believe he's even been a quarterback's coach. He's he's a coach on the rise, and apparently he interviewed really well, but there's no coordinator experience. So like when the Colts hired Jeff Saturday, the entire NFL kind of went, what are you doing? Because Jeff Saturday has no experience in a head coach position at all. He has no experience on an offensive coordinator position, and he had no experience as a position coach. We almost did the exact same maneuver for the whole season. Like, apparently we were like a day away from signing Josh McCowan when the lawsuit broke and we veered left and and hired Lovey Smith. So, I don't know. It just, I feel like it makes us look even worse because we hired him and then immediately fired him. Like, oh, I totally agree. And we're getting flack for it on all sides. And I don't, they may not be. I don't know if the Texans are racist or not. I have nothing. I don't know that. They may be wrong about what they're saying, but it, there's no good counter argument to it. Yeah, there's, right. There's like, no good. There's no good optics unless you get directly in front of it and address it directly. And even and there's then, no good. And even there's no then, good counter to it. And even then, like it's hard to it's hard to be like okay, you say one thing, but you know, just because you say it in public doesn't mean it's true. Right, you get all, you can get behind that podium and say you're not all you want, but if if there's no good evidence to back you up, it's a hard sell. Yeah, and I think that's sort of the problem, right? Is like we're definitely, I promise, we're not. Oh, okay, well, it it kind of looks like you are. Okay, well, I can understand that, but I promise we're not. It's like okay, sure, dude, whatever. <laughs> yeah, well, okay, best of luck. Uh, so it's 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 difficult for sure, and. I, it's going to be an interesting offseason. So I encourage everyone to continue to like and subscribe and stay with us. We're going to be posting three to five shows a week. We're going to be having these conversations. We're going to be talking to some great, smart people around the NFL. Uh, we're going to talk about draft. We're going to talk about offseason maneuvers. We're going to talk about guys we should be looking at, potential free agents. We're going to be talking about the playoffs and the different matchups. This Friday, well, that's exactly what we're going to do is we're going to talk about this coming week of playoff games and what to expect and what we can get excited about. Um, so stay with us this offseason. We're going to have a lot of fun with it. We're not going anywhere just because the Texans decided to call it a season exactly on time. So you think I should add like a was that a bad wrap-up? Should I do something? Yeah, I mean, that's where I was. All right. Um, 
Boom. Yeah. Let's, let's wrap it and get it sent. <laughs> <laughs>